This is Dennis Reekin, and welcome to the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World High School Prep Basketball Confidential. Dick Van Dyke Appliance World is proud to support the outstanding high school basketball played throughout central Illinois. Buckle up for a fast 60 minutes with News Gazette Media's Colin Likas and Jim Rosso. Welcome to the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Likas, and we only have two area girls basketball teams still remaining in postseason play. They are both Class 1A programs, so it's really down to a lot of boys' teams, all the boys' teams still. Some of them start play tonight in regional quarterfinal action. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, it's uh, just uh, those two girls' teams that we're looking at, the Salt Fork Storm and the Tri-County Titans. We're going to hear from both of their coaches, starting with Brian Russell here shortly. Also going to talk with some boys coaches from small schools ahead of their postseason runs. St. Thomas Moore's Alex Anderson and Tuscola's Justin Bozarth to be exact. But let's start with the bigger games, the super sectionals, Class 1A, Salt Fork is playing tonight against Aurora Christian. Caught up with Salt Fork coach Brian Russell to talk about all that's to come in that super sectional game. One step away from a state semifinal berth. Did you think this was possible out of this team? I mean, obviously the four seed didn't make things particularly easy, but your girls have persevered every step of the way. You know, looking at the the whole setup, when we first got the regional seeds, I honestly felt like we had an opportunity to make a run at the regional championship. My philosophy has been we're looking at one game at a time, so be 100% honest, uh, I didn't know what was next uh, after the regional uh, until we won. And that's just kind of how we've taken each step one game at a time. That seems like that's probably helped. It's maybe taken some of the pressure off the girls. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so. We basically looked at it as every game, let's just go out and have fun and play the hardest that we can play and compete at our, our highest level and to see where the ball bounced. And so far, it's been bouncing our way lately. We talked on Monday about how the, the defense has been key, but I mean, just holding opponents, every opponent so far under 40 points. I mean, could you have imagined the defense working quite as well as it has? Well, we've stressed defense all year. And it's just so happened that we've really started clicking here in the last. Um, four games on the defensive end. And so, yes, I I honestly felt like this team could do something like this, Um, but we had to have a couple things go our way, and it definitely has for the last four games. Uh, From a defensive perspective, is there any one player or two players who really make the the operation tick, or is it just a full-team effort? It's just a full-team effort. Everybody doing their job. You know, we give certain tasks to certain players, and each one of those players have been doing their task. And when each one does their task, it makes the team um, that much better. And so really it's just been a total team effort. Looking back earlier in this season, I mean, I know we talked before the uh, holiday tournament, uh, about how important that stretch would be, and it was it was it turned out to be a difficult one for the girls. But uh, how have you liked the way? Obviously, getting to a super sectional is one thing, but how have you liked the way they've responded after those roadblocks that were put in, in front of them earlier in the season? Well, we've talked about adversity from day one. We knew we were going to have adversity, and adversity 
and how you handle the adversity shows your character. And we've talked about we handled the adversity extremely well. We've had some tough losses. Um, a couple things just didn't go our way, but we kept fighting. And because of that, that experience, I think, has helped us during this uh, stretch of a regional championship and a sectional championship. And I hope it'll help us in the super sectional. In the calendar year 2020, I mean, the, the results have gotten a lot closer. The wins uh, have come more frequently. The, the losses were, you know, pretty competitive against teams like Bismarck and, and Schlarman. I mean, does, is there any one game that you can really point to where you, you kind of started to see things come together or has it just kind of been a slow culmination? Well, I, I think that it's been um, a little bit of every game, but I really think um, our semifinal game in the county tournament against Bismarck, where we forced or- overtime with them, I think that kind of got the girls um, really seeing that they they had the talent, they had the skills to be able to compete at a high level. And, you know, everything that we've been able to do has been because of the girls and what they've bought into and what they've believed in and what they've executed. It's, uh, it's all about execution at this time of year, and they're the ones that are doing it, and they get all the credit. We talk a lot about the defense, rightfully so, but let's talk about the other side of the basket as well. Uh, you've got three girls who can, can score a uh, pretty consistent basis, be a leading scorer night in or night out. Who really leads this offense, though? Is there any one player you would point to, whether it be McKenzie or Carson or uh, Kaylee, or is it really just a by-committee thing? It's definitely by-committee. Um, you know, we we don't necessarily stress on, on one girl to score for us. Um, you know, every girl has an opportunity throughout the the offense that we run to look to score. Um, but Kaylee and Mackenzie and Carson are the ones that typically um, do that on a more uh, regular basis. But it's more of a committee. Um, and when all three of them are hitting a shot, then that just makes us that much better. Especially Carson uh, and, and Kaylee, uh, the three-point line seems to be a place where they can – you know, get you guys going offensively. But when this offense is really clicking, I mean, is it is it the three-point shot that's leading the way? Is it post-play? Is it just a combination? I think it's a combination of us attacking the basket and then also being able to kick it out for a three-point shot. Um, I think we probably are more of a three-point shooting team, um, but we can also get to the basket uh, with our dribble drive. So I'd say it's a combination of both those situations. Are there any other girls on the team, whether they be the other starters or girls who come in off the bench who maybe are kind of flying under the radar a little bit, girls who could be really important in this game against Aurora Christian and whatever might come afterward? To be honest, each girl just has to step up and uh, throughout the game, if there's an opportunity to uh, score, they're just going to have to score. Um, I'll, I'll make mention of the... Uh, sectional championship. Uh, Lexi Hetzenberger went on a 5-0 run by herself. She made a free throw, and then we ended up running an offense that got her the ball um, on the left block a few times in a row, and she was able to make 
a somewhat contested shot. And so, you know, um, Jaden Baum has hit some big shots for us. You know, so it's just, it's each girl doing their thing during the game that's going to give us an opportunity to win this sectional championship. Let's move forward to talk about the super sectional. First of all, being at Pontiac, a good little road trip at this time of year. That's kind of the, the deal. A lot of teams are going to have to travel. I'm guessing it's probably a shorter trip for you guys than it is for Aurora Christian. Maybe that's wrong, but uh, how do you feel about uh, getting to travel to Pontiac for this super sectional game? Well, it's a, it's about a two-hour trip for us on a bus. And, you know, at this point in time, when you play a super sectional game, you're going to travel somewhere where you've never played. And, you know, it's it's part of the um, excitement of playing postseason ball is being able to go somewhere where you've never played before and uh, compete against a really good team. And if you compete at a high level, you got a chance to go to state. So I, I think it's just part of that excitement. As far as your opponent, um, I know looking at their schedule, at their postseason run, seems like an offense uh, that is pretty pretty difficult to stop. How are you guys game planning for, for what's to come with them? They're a really good team. It's going to be a, a philosophy of trying to contain a couple girls um, and have some other girls try to beat us. You know, it's, we're not going to shut down their best players, uh, but if we can contain them, uh, it'd be similar to like an Emily Mydell or a Caitlin Young um, or the Canuts girl from Unity. You know, you're going to be, you're going to have to contain them. Um, don't let them go off and get a lot of points. If you can do that, it's going to give us an opportunity to win the ball game. No, I'm looking ahead here a little bit, but if you guys are able to pull this off, if you're able to qualify for state later this week at Redbird, I mean, what would it mean to this program? It would be just unbelievable. I mean, really right now, I don't even know that I can put it into words what it would mean to this program. Um, obviously, in the five years that we've had Salt Fork, consolidated school district this is the farthest the program's ever been and it's matching what has been done in the past so you know it's just it just is an amazing run it's something that we definitely want to continue to build on as a program and um you know one thing that i hope happens is it will propel us to future runs um deep into the playoffs in the near future. Thanks again to Coach Russell for chatting with me. Good luck to the Salt Fork girls tonight. This would be the first state semifinals appearance for them as the Salt Fork. Uh, co- uh, it's not a cooperative. You can call it a cooperative, but it's not really. It's actually a school district. So the Salt Fork team in its current status, it would be their first ever state berth for the girls program. So if they get that done, significant accomplishment for that team. We're going to take our first break now with the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. When we come back, we're going to talk to the other coach that is still playing in girls basketball right now, Joe Morrissey of the Tri-County Titans. So stay tuned for that. Hi, it's Jay Lehman, former University of Illinois All-American linebacker and Rose Bowl team captain. When I remodeled my kitchen and I needed new appliances, for me, my choice was simple. Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. They have the best selection and outstanding quality, and they come with a free 10-year protection plan. 
So when you need appliances, go to Dick Van Dyke Appliance World in Champaign. Online at appliance-world.com. Now back to High School Prep Basketball Confidential, brought to you by Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, where when you buy from us, you get the whole store. Welcome back to the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Lycus, downtown Champaign. We're sticking with the girls' basketball scene. Unfortunately, don't have any downtown Champaign teams left in the girls' basketball postseason. What we do have is the Tri-County Titans, who are about an hour away from Champaign, uh, although it depends on which community in the Tri-County co-op you're going to travel to. Regardless, the Titans are one step away from making it back-to-back postseason runs going to state. They they finished fourth last year in the Class 1A girls tournament. Uh, they're going to try and do better this year, but they're going to have to win their super sectional game against Oakville first. That is tonight at 7 p.m. Ahead of that, I caught up with Titans coach Jill Morrissey to talk about a variety of topics, including how a team that had four starters graduate from last year's state qualifier is already one step away from repeating that process. We were talking this time last year, but the team is very, very different, obviously. The starting lineup, anyway, is very, very different than it was this time last year. How has this group been able to so quickly get back to the super sectional stage despite so much change in the offseason. The two, two girls, really, Taylor and Bella, going to at least all the pool last year with the five seniors we had when we went last year. And I, I think um, I think they wanted to succeed and do what the group did last year. And I told I talked to their ninth year, your cohort, Turkey News Gazette, and said, you know, kind of Nick Saban fan and the plug and play system type of thing. I, don't, I haven't changed very much. And, you know, last six, seven years, we pretty much played 1 3 1 zone. Our offenses are pretty simple and I think just that they adapted well to what I like to do and bite into what I want to do is a big thing. Did you see it early on? Did you see the potential in this particular group of girls that they could possibly make a deep postseason run like they have? I I, I thought we'd be fine at at the regional level. I you know I thought, yeah, we should be able to handle that. But you know, I think really the the two Kalen Phillips and Kalen Hunt that have played this year and then Lee Askew really has done a lot 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 more than I expected. She's a good J V player. Last year, and she's really stepped up, and the two Kalins have really, really come forward. And Lily Cox, another senior, didn't play much last year, and again, another JV, JV player, and she's really stepped forward for us. Just looking at this road to get here, like you said, you guys were fine through the regional, but I mean, two good battles in the in the sectional, barely barely getting by Brownstown, and then a familiar opponent in Altamont who beat you guys earlier in the year. Uh, what did it take? to fight through these two sectional games that were such a step up. How were these girls able to persevere through these two games? Uh, the game against um, Brownstown, we, 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 were, we were scared to death. We, again, I, we played not to lose. And then I talked to Taylor Barry there no late. I said, honey, you got to step up. And she kind of carried us for a while. And then he fouled out. And then Caitlin Hunt stepped up and made a huge shot. And then the little Barry sister, his freshman family, stepped up and made a huge three to or made use the huge free throw to win the game for us at the end. And then uh, against Altamont, just a battle. And we, again, we played them early in the season down in third place, and that they were they played really, really well and put a thumping on us for very much. We got, we came back late against them. It wasn't an eight point game if I beat by twelve to fifteen points actually. Um, I just just tough. Tenerberry and Bella and Lee and the girls really stepped up and came together and did a great job together. Taylor, being the the returner from last year's state team. Have you seen her kind of step up into a leadership role in a sense of helping these other girls to know exactly what to expect this time of year? I think maybe Coach has forced her here lately. I said, you know, she's the you know second team all-stater last year, and really, I, she's she, she's quiet. 
she's really quiet. Like, I tried to get to do three-point contests. I made her do it. She, she made two. She didn't want to do it. She's more of a lead by example when she plays on four hustles and defense. She's a phenomenal defense player. She's a good offensive player. So I think she, she's, again, I think the girls see her and the passion she has for the game. I think it's carrying over to the rest of the girls. I know last year when we were talking state, we talked about Harley kind of being a, a spark plug for this team. Do you kind of see Taylor in a similar light now? Is she kind of a spark plug for this team? I, I think definitely. You know, she's, you know, the very girls, especially with three young ladies, the brother to coach, and they, they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose it. We play shooting games in practice and anything you want to compete against, they're, they're comp- competitors. Just from an offensive perspective, I know Taylor does a lot more than just score the basketball, but I mean, it's hard to ignore when you look at these box scores from the regional games and from the sectional games when she's putting up at least 20 points a game. I mean, what's been the key to getting her looks? Is it just her battling to the basket, or what's been the key? Uh, she can shoot it from 25. She had three three huge threes down there against um, Brownstown the first game, which were made, I made four threes. You were huge. Um, and then against all of them, our kind of, we had Bella and Bella kind of got some charges down there, which were, you know, were, I think, mean, here, there, plays. But, again, we wouldn't really pack the basket and go right at Aldemont and get him in foul trouble. And then, um, you know, Taylor, again, we held the ball there about the last four and a half minutes against Aldemont. Taylor stepped up and she went 11-12 and 12-13 there in the fourth quarter from the free throw line. Let's talk about some of the other girls. Bella, I know, came off the bench during last year's state run. She, she provided some nice little offensive boost whenever you guys needed a little lift off the bench. Anyone got in foul trouble. Uh, how have you liked the way she's developed into into a starting role, into a secondary scoring role, sometimes a leading scoring role, just as a sophomore? She's done a great job. She's our point guard right now. She's handled the ball 85, 9 percent of the time, and she's done a great job. She just she's she's a basketball player. She's a big AAU player, and she really does a great job. You know, she gets the ball to Taylor, and she runs the offense and gets to where we need to be at times. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, Melia Eskew. I know the Eskew family also has some, some ties to the program with Maya being so important to the team last year. Are they similar players in any way, or are they different types of players? Uh, a little Maya Lack would run through a brick wall for you. Malia, Malia is more of a, she's a little more of an athlete than Maya was, but not quite as hard-nosed as Maya. But Malia, Malia is, uh, is on the front of our one-three-one zone in front of our press, and she does a great job doing those things. She's a very athletic young lady. Malia, I've noticed, especially in the regular season, uh, her assist total tends to tends to be pretty high. Why is she always kind of in position to make that that last pass? I guess. I think she's again she's on the front of that press, and she's getting filled with she can pass the ball with Bella or Taylor, who would do wings on the press, and like, she gets a lot of her a lot of her assists that way. Then you talked about the Kalen. Uh, girls who had played basketball in the past but hadn't played recently. I mean, were you expecting them to be able to contribute so quickly considering the fact that they weren't, you know, immediately immersed in your system? They weren't coming back from the team last year? I think, again, six foot, six foot tall you can't you can't teach is the biggest thing. And, and I, again, again, defense is so much easier to pick up. They're, they're athletes. Kayla, you know, she's a stud track learner. She got four, fifth, and six in the state and high jump, long jump, and triple. Jump last year at the state tournament and track as a sophomore, just an incredible athlete, and just her, her length. And Kaylin Phillips, again, also is very, very long, lengthy. She plays middle of our 1 3 zone zone right now, and she can play the outside also. Just, again, they're just athletes. And, you know, again, like I say, our offensive defense is not a really, really tough thing to pick up, and they did a good job doing that. We've talked in the past about how you guys schedule fairly tough, and not just teams like Altamont, but those 3A schools you guys see in the holiday tournament time, and then the, the 2A schools you guys have to play through your conference. I mean, just how battle-tested is this group at this point? I mean, is there anything that could be thrown at you guys in Class 1A that you wouldn't have seen already? 
I know. We, again, we are Charleston. We got we played Paris Louisville's number one state there in two A and got undefeated to a sectional championship game. Um, the, the first time we played them, they 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 both just stood. And then the second time we played them, you know, kind of a battle we lost by eighteen. When I guess probably more of an eight to ten point game point. We got free throws there at the end. Uh, Sergar Griffin, who I don't know how they're doing in three A, but again another tough one and. Um, again, Aldermont and Salt Fork, you know, is still going. And on their side, we played them early just right after Christmas, and they gave us a battle there at home. We had beat them by like 17 points over with. But I think, again, seeing those teams makes us tough. Again, we've seen boxing ones and triangles and twos and crazy things like that. So Philip Bell and Taylor, which I don't know if we'll see or not. But I think right now, I hope we're ready for anything we see. You guys are preparing to uh, travel to South Central High School for the Super Sectional. How far away is Farina from, from your guys' home base? Uh, Kansas, we're about on the internet about an hour and 15. Uh, kind of a connection. Blake Doring, who used to be the uh, boys basketball coach at Tri-County by about six years ago, he's the AD at, down at Bryan South Central down there. So I guess I, I, I'll, I'll know, know a face when I walk in down there. Uh, I went to a, our volleyball program. You know, pretty good back there in the late 90s. We won a, they, they won a sectional championship down at Farina. So it's going to be a little road trip. No, quite, not quite as far as Salem, but you know, like going to Argen and some of their schools for our conference, it's, I guess we'll sit on the bus and on straight get ready to go. Oakville, uh, what do you know about them? What have you learned about them? And uh, what are they going to bring to the table against you guys in the super sectional? Oh, they're big. They're six, six foot, five ten, five nine across the back line. Uh, two young, really good freshman guards are about five four and five six, really good shooters. Uh, again, you talk about playing tough schedule. They're playing three and four age schools. All year long down in the St. Louis metro area, you can play, you know, the Belleville schools and a pretty tough schedule. I, I got a buddy from the South who's giving me some stuff on him, and I got some other stuff on the internet. We're going to have to play basketball if we want to win. And as far as uh, what it would mean to possibly get back to Redbird Arena so quickly, again, with a, a different lineup than you did last year, uh, what would it mean to this group to be able to accomplish that on Monday? Uh, just, yeah, I think just to testament how how hard my girls work and we put hours and hours in here in the gymnasium and our little schools here we got you know saying we got 13 communities three schools and one mission that's on mission to get back there thanks again to coach morrissey for chatting with me he was talking to me right before a shoot around he was watching film right before he got on the phone with me he answered the phone and said watching film that's what that's what he was doing right then and there getting ready for oakville hopefully that film session pays off for his titans tonight Well, it's time to take another break with the Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. We're going to shift gears a little bit to the boys' realm of things as the small school postseason gets underway tonight. So stay tuned for some interviews with St. Thomas More and Tuscola boys coaches. Hi, it's Jay Lehman, former University of Illinois All-American linebacker and Rose Bowl team captain. When I remodeled my kitchen and I needed new appliances, for me, my choice was simple. Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. They have the best selection and outstanding quality, and they come with a free 10-year protection plan. So when you need appliances, go to Dick Van Dyke Appliance World in Champaign, online at appliance-world.com. The Dick Van Dyke Appliance World High School Prep Basketball Confidential continues with Colin and Jim on News Talk 1400 WDWS and Light Rock 97.5 WHMS. Welcome back to the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Likas gearing you guys up for the small school boys basketball postseason. 
Regional quarterfinals starting tonight around the state. St. Thomas Moore's Alex Anderson, his team does not play tonight. They start off on Tuesday against Hartsburg-Emden in a loaded regional field. And I say loaded not necessarily because of the power of the teams, although there are some good teams in there, the Sabres included, but because nobody gets a bye because there are so many teams in the subsectional that both of the regionals to come out of there, no one is getting a bye no matter what seed they have. So it'll be a good test for the Sabres as well as the other teams in the Mount Pulaski region. Talked with Coach Alex Anderson a bit about that field and more. I know the season started off well enough, uh, but it's been uh, just kind of an up and down run since then. Uh, getting a win over Los Paletto over the weekend. Get you guys on the right track here as we get ready for the playoffs. But how would you assess the direction of this program heading into the postseason? Well, we've spent the last month or so not at 100%. Um, I'd say our last six or seven games, we've been missing a starter or two or one of our key rotation guys. Uh, yesterday against La Salette, we were without two starters, uh, Avery Hughes and Dawson McGreeny, and J.P. Hoffman played about a minute and a half and uh, re-aggravated a hip injury. But we should be 100% for the postseason, so I think that will vote in our favor. Um, the IPC doesn't do you any favors. Obviously, <laughs> you can tell with the... Uh, with the rankings and just the, the record of all the teams in our conference, um, it's really gotten us ready, I think, for the 1A postseason. From that perspective of guys being hurt, obviously, you would prefer guys to stay healthy throughout the season, but it's, I'm sure it's given other guys opportunities to step up. Would that be the case? Oh, absolutely. And we don't have a very experienced team to begin with. Um, we only had three seniors uh, go through senior night, and those guys don't have a ton of varsity basketball experience. And then we're playing five or six sophomores on any given night. And then Avery Hughes is our most experienced varsity player, and he's only a junior. So all as many reps as possible for all the younger guys that has been good for us. Before we talk about some of the guys more in detail, I know that that game against Lostville at the, your former uh, team, I know that got snowed out earlier in the season. Why was it important for you guys to make sure you got that game back on the schedule before the, uh, before the playoffs started? Oh, I just got I got my varsity start there, and it's kind of sentimental to play them. Um, they're going through a little bit of injury trouble this year as well, um, and I think playing in that environment, not a lot of people locally really know the environment they bring, uh, whether they're playing at home or away. That entire student body comes. So even though we were playing at one thirty on a Saturday afternoon without three of our starters, I think it was still incredibly beneficial to play against a team that had 80 kids who were chanting throughout the entire game. Um, and to get a win in an environment like that, missing some key guys is, is, is great. Well, let's talk about some of the guys. I mean, you said you, you hope to be 100% for the postseason, so that would include bringing Dawson back, bringing Avery back. I mean, when those two guys are on the court and playing at as close to 100% as they can be, how important are they to what you're trying to do? Well, they're, they're incredibly important. Um, Dawson has been a leading scorer throughout the year. He's got a couple of 20-point games here. He couldn't really get over the hump. He had a bunch of 18-point games before Christmas and would kind of be bummed when I would I would take him out with a few minutes left in the game if we were leading or something. But he's gotten over the hump here. He got had a couple of 20-point games. And he's really hard to to keep in front um, for anybody, really. He, he's done a nice job of penetrating getting to the basket and then He's shooting almost 40% from three, which I didn't even realize until the other day when I was putting together our, our end-of-season stats. And 
for a sophomore to be putting up those kinds of numbers is pretty impressive. And then Avery Hughes, uh, he's a unique player, especially at the 1A level, uh, 6'3", about 210 pounds. And against Prairie Central, he actually played the point for us most of the game. So it's uh, it's tough to match up with him. He, he really is, is decent handling the ball, but it's just as effective if we post him up as if we have an opportunity there. There's a lot of other guys we can really talk about with their contributions. It seemed like against La Salette that Justin Green, the sophomore, really had a nice game. Uh, has he been coming out, coming on strong of late? Justin is probably the most confident shooter we have in our program. And I, I say that word because confidence isn't always the the uh, the greatest thing to have in a shooter when if you've been sitting on the bench for 20 minutes, you come in and you launch a 25-footer as soon as you touch the ball. Not not usually what your uh, coach wants to see, but it always helps to have a guy like that. And Justin always thinks he has the hot hand, whether he does or not. But he's had games this year, uh, Rock Falls at State Farm, and obviously La Salette, where he has really helped us out tremendously. Um, he's one that is a, a huge effort player, both on defensive and offensive end. He gets a ton of offensive rebounds, and if he gets going, he could he could reel off five, six, three-pointers in a game with no problem. You talk about some of your other guys not being a terribly varsity experience, but uh, like we've been saying, they're, they're still coming up big. The sophomore, Patrick Kornstrom, uh, you got uh, the freshman, Ryan Hendrickson, having some, some good play here, and David Hubbard as well, another sophomore. I mean, how are these guys just able to step up despite the fact that they're probably going to be younger than a lot of the opponents they're facing off against right now? Well, we just we, we make sure that every single guy has a chance to compete in practice. And if you, if you come and see a practice of ours from our number one guy in varsity all the way down to number 12 on JV, they are getting equal, equal opportunity in practice. And if we have a guy in JV who's got a hot streak going, we will we'll dress him and bring him up. Blake Staub is a sophomore who just got a varsity jersey because he's been really working hard in practice and it's it's shown in JV games. So we give, out, we give our guys equal opportunity. And obviously we do have some sophomores who have superior talent to others and it's been uh, – it's been nice to have a sophomore class this good, and it really looks positive for the future at SDM. Before we talk about the postseason as well, I know on, on Twitter, uh, the hashtag you guys sometimes use uh, with some of the, the information you put out is uh, take, take the stairs, and I was just curious if you could expand on that, what, uh, what that hashtag means to you guys. Well, it's just kind of the, uh, the, the worker's mindset, not to, not to feel entitled and not, not to take the elevator, not to skip any steps. Um, and that I think is a really beneficial message for a group as young as we are, that um, we can, we can have a 15 and 16 record after the, after the regular season, but we know that we've grown in some way, every game we've gone out, even in the losses that we haven't really played our best in, we can take something from and take the next step and not, not go down at all. We want to take the stairs and we want to go up the one stair each day. And as long as we get to the top of that staircase by the end of the year, we'll be happy however we did it. Let's talk about the playoffs. You guys are in one of those crowded uh, Class 1A subsectionals where, where nobody gets a first-round bye. So uh, I guess that goes along with that mentality a little bit. But uh, how did you feel about uh, drawing the three seed behind only Judah Christian and Roanoke Benson in that subsectional? I, I, it was about what we thought it would be. And 
my kids have been wanting to play Judah all year. Uh, I think it's a natural rivalry, rivalry that should be should be going on every year anyway. So the opportunity to play a local team in the regional championships, should we both make it there, would be would be great. And then um, yeah, Verona Benson would probably be waiting for us if we if we happen to win the regional. And I know they're a load. Uh, I haven't really looked ahead to them all that much. I've seen scores, but haven't seen any film or anything. But right now we are focused on Hartsburg Empton and while their record may not be great, it's anybody any anybody who wins goes or anybody who loses goes home at this point. And you really, I know it sounds like coach speak, but if you don't take it one game at a time, one of these teams with a lesser record that you can really sneak up on you. Especially in two A, it's it's pretty common for teams with with better seeds to get buys, and there's a few even in one A, even as crowded as a lot of these subsectionals are. But with nobody getting a, a buy in this subsectional, I mean, does that almost e- help even the playing field a little bit? I mean, sure, Roanoke Benson might be a little standout right now, but uh, does that almost help to have nobody getting to to take a break? It, it may. I think I think it's going to benefit the teams that have more depth. Um, and I think we've kind of built that not exactly meaning to over these last six, seven games with having guys out. So I think our, our depth is going to kind of help us having to play these three games in four days. And you talk about uh, trying to get to a regional championship game, of course. I uh, have to fight through Hartsburg and then either Mount Pulaski or Argenta. But uh, if you guys are able to at least pull out a regional championship, get some wins in this postseason after the up and down run that's that's been going on the last couple of months, what would it mean to this group of kids? It would it would be it would be everything. We've we've been focused on hardware this entire season. I think it was either fourteen or I think it was two thousand fifteen was the last time St. Thomas Moore won a regional and that's that's been our goal. And kids have gotten ahead of themselves and talked about sectionals, talked about bigger things, but our ultimate goal is bringing a plaque home and being the ones cutting down the net on a Friday night that last week of February. Thanks again to Coach Alex Anderson of the St. Thomas More Sabres for chatting with me a little bit. I certainly would be interested if that St. Thomas More Judah Christian regional final matchup comes to be. It does surprise me, kind of like Alex hinted to, that those two teams don't play during the regular season, but I guess sometimes those things don't work out. I mean, they're smaller schools, not separated by a ton of distance. I think it would be a really fun matchup. I'm sure the fans would be into it. I know both those student sections are pretty, pretty crazy. So let's take our last break of the show here tonight when we come back. Going to talk with a different small school boys basketball coach ahead of the Class 2A postseason, Tuscola's Justin Bozarth. Stay tuned for that. Now back to High School Prep Basketball Confidential, brought to you by Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, where when you buy from us, you get the whole store. Welcome back to the Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. I am Colin Likas. We've got Justin Bozarth up next. I know we've heard from him a few times this year, but when your Tuscola boys basketball team is one of the better teams in the area and the state, I think you deserve to be heard from a little bit more. Tuscola is in a state of flux right now, though. Uh, star player Jalen Quinn uh, dealing with a bit of a medical issue, as Justin Bozarth termed it to me. He talked to me about Jalen's status moving forward, as well as how the guys are rallying around him and uh, playing in his absence. So let's hear from uh, Coach Bozarth right now. I'm sure... You've had folks asking since Jalen didn't play the uh, the Sullivan game. Uh, what is his status moving forward into the postseason? I guess honestly, Colin, um, he's dealing with a medical issue, and um, I actually, I, I would, I honestly don't know if he's going to play this week. Uh, and it's not. Uh, I've told everybody here in town too. It's not like we're trying to hide something. Um, we uh, we just don't know at this point if, if he's going to be able to go or not. Uh, 
it's something that just came on and, uh, you know, it, 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 it's serious in nature. And it's one of those deals that like a high school basketball game, no matter how big or, or small it is, it's not worth it, uh, to jeopardize his long-term health. So we, uh, we're kind of just playing a waiting game. And, uh, I talked to him, uh, I mean, I've, I've talked to him Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and, uh, he, he's feeling better, but, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of in the, in the hands of the, the medical providers to let us know, uh, what he's capable of and what he's not capable of. All the guys responded, uh, to Jalen going down. I mean, not just from a perspective of, you know, he's the, he's kind of a, a star on the team, but just from a perspective of a classmate and a friend, I mean, how have they responded to, to this, to, to what's going on with him? Yeah, so um, we uh, we had practice. Uh, let's see, we had practice Wednesday afternoon, and you could tell um, Wednesday afternoon's practice. It was just kind of like somebody had let the air out of the balloon, and so we we stopped, we talked, we kind of cleared the air, and and he just kind of decided, you know, just told the kid, here's what we know. Everything else that you're hearing is rumor. Like, talk to him once we get done with practice. But at this point, this is what we know, and. Uh, um, I think it, it helps when you've got uh, – we've got pretty good senior leadership. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, Jalen is a very well-liked kid. Um, and so um, we've got a pretty close-knit bunch this year. And uh, he actually told me when I talked to him uh, Thursday morning, he told me, yeah, I'm pretty sure every guy reached out to me last night. So that just kind of shows you uh, guys were concerned, but they also, um, you know, wanted to let him know that they were there to, to support him as well. And uh, – um, we came back Thursday, practiced really well, and it, it's been really ironic. Um, if you look at our last couple games, um, we actually had to play an entire overtime uh, without Jalen because he fouled out uh, down at Altamont. Uh, we were able to hang on and, and beat a really good team down there at their place um, with him on the bench for about six minutes um, to finish the game. And then uh, same thing happened at Neoga. Um, we, we went into a, a pretty good environment for a Tuesday night basketball game, and, and he thought that was about six minutes to go, and uh, we had to finish that game uh, without him, too. And so then we, of course, go to Sullivan and play four quarters. So it's just kind of, you know, somebody was looking out for us and, and setting us up for, for the potential to play without him, and, and we feel like, uh, you know, we, we've gotten more than a game under our belt, um, you know, in some pretty good situations with Adam and without him, and, and guys have had to play different roles and, and have done a pretty good job up to this point. From that perspective of guys shifting into new roles, uh, does this mean that Nick does, uh, comes into the starting lineup? Is that how that works? Yeah, so Nick uh, Nick rolled into the starting lineup, and um, Hardwick and Cunningham, uh, they're kind of playing point guard by committee. And uh, it's been a, a really good opportunity. Um, you know, Donovan Chester has been a regular rotational guy for us, and um, we've actually played a bigger lineup at times with three bigs and moved Kibler out to the perimeter, which we haven't played a ton of this year. Uh, but then we've got a kid, uh, Ben Tizzy, who he actually went for double figures the other night uh, at Sullivan, who, um, you know, he, he, he was ready when his number was called and uh, stepped right in and, and did a really good job on Friday. Even though I know Sullivan's kind of having a down year, just uh, the fact that you guys were able to play a complete game and just kind of work through some things, whatever, you know, bugs or kinks there might be with trying out this, these, these new lineups, I mean, how important do you think that's going to be as we get into the postseason play on Wednesday? I think it's it's, it's really important because it's it's given our guys um, a chance to play multiple roles, and uh, you know you never know what the postseason is going to throw at you, and and what different teams may try to do against you, and um, we kind of feel like a you know 
some of our, some of our guys, you take a look at a guy like Ben Dixon, like he's probably playing his best basketball of the year right now as we head into the postseason. And uh, you can see the confidence with him, especially on the offensive end. And uh, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, he, he's had to play a different role where we've needed him to score more. And so uh, he, he stepped right in and he, he's making plays. And, um, you know, after Friday's game, I think we went into it and guys uh, weren't really sure what to expect. Uh, but I, I think they walked out of Sullivan, you know, uh, with some confidence that, hey, you know, we we uh, we played pretty well down here w- w- without our key guy. And um, it, it, it was fun to watch. Things were going really well throughout the, the regular season. And uh, the three losses, obviously none of them are bad losses as far as the opponents go. But what have you learned about the guys since those losses? What have they taken from those three losses that maybe allowed them to get better? Because uh, outside of Jalen being out, it seems like the, the guys are kind of back on track. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you, you really find out a lot about your your team or our team when, when things don't go well. And uh, we lost our first game down at Central A&M, uh, and, and really we felt like we didn't play well. Central A&M has a lot to do with you not playing well. But, uh, you know, every every day we start practice with, with a warm-up. And I, I think at that point we were 15-0, and 0, just lost, so now we're 15-1. and 1. And you come back to practice, and, you know, I, I was talking to our coaches throughout the day, you know, and I'm interested to see what tonight's practice looks like. Are, are we going to come back and, and try to get better? Or are we just going to kind of come back and, and you know, feel sorry for ourselves? And we started with a two-minute warm-up drill, um, and Jake Kibler was the first guy in line of the two-minute warm-up drill. Uh, and, and normally it's a jog warm-up drill where you kind of do some layups from end to end, and uh, we warm our legs up for the first two minutes and then do a, a time session um, the next time around. And uh, the very first session, Jake Kibler comes in, and he's the first guy out there and just absolutely sprints the court from start to finish for the two minutes. And it just kind of set the tone uh, for the rest of the guys that, uh, you know, you could just see some eyeballs looking at each other and it's like, oh, like if Jake's doing this, we're all doing this today. And And I think that's just – that goes to, to show what kind of senior leadership we have that, um, you know, w- when things didn't go well for us, we came back with a really good perspective the next day of practice. And, uh, you know, you look at our other loss of St. T, uh, we were able to avenge that loss a couple weeks later. And, um, you know, PVL came in here and, and, and they kind of kicked our teeth in. Uh, they, they, they were better. They were uh, more inspired. And, um, you know, it's it, it was a lesson for us that, hey, We've got to be ready to go every night, and uh, for the, for whatever reason, that particular night, uh, we, we weren't at the level um, that that PDO was, and so uh, yeah, you find out a lot about yourself. But uh, we've been really happy with how we've responded after each of the losses. Let's move into the postseason a little bit. I mean, uh, obviously, not really done any favors with the uh, with the three seed and uh, having to travel to. Paxton for the uh, regional. But how do you feel about uh, the postseason draw? When you looked at the subsectional when it came out, you knew, um, you knew when you looked at it that there were really good teams all across the board. So there was no easy path to a regional championship of any kind. There's no easy path to a to a sectional uh, of any kind. And and so really, uh, we kind of felt like for a long time after the PBO game that, that we were going to fall into that number three slot. Um, but uh, I mean, you, you look up and down that that list. Um, there, there's teams with. 20 wins, close to 20 wins all over the place. And then you go all the way down the board. And, and one of our best games of the year, our most competitive games of the year was versus Unity. And that's a team that um, I haven't looked at it closely here lately, but that's a team with maybe five, six, seven wins or something like that. So there, there's good teams 
all over the place. And uh, um, obviously we're going to get the winner of Clifton and Gibson City and Gibson City, um, who, whose record coming in is not uh, – um, is, is obviously not one of the better records that we're going to see. But they played us tight uh, to a, like a four-point game over in Monticello uh, over Christmas time. So uh, everybody um, – you know, that's the kind of the beauty of the postseason is that you've got to be ready to play just about anybody. And it really doesn't matter um, what records are or what records are not. Um, and, and something that we're also excited about is, is we may have a chance to, between Gibson City and Clifton Central, we may be able to play Clifton Central. And that's a team that, uh, um, you know, we're not real familiar with just because of the distance. But um, I think that's what makes the postseason great is you see some matchups that you don't typically see uh, throughout the course of the year. You got to beat Clifton or Gibson City to qualify for a regional final. But uh, from a casual observer's perspective, I know the thought on a lot of people's minds is seeing that rematch, uh, part three of Paxton against Tuscola, a, a third different floor, no less. I mean, you can't look ahead as a coach, I know, but what would it mean to, to get one more shot at that Paxton team? Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, when you look at Paxton, um, they, they don't have a bad loss either if you go up and down their schedule. And, um, you know, we split uh, so far this season. And, uh, you know, the, the last one, um, they obviously got uh, the, the much better part of us uh, in, in that second matchup. And, and so, you know, for, for any team, you know, we're all trying to get to the regional championship and play in that particular game. And if, if we so happen to, to match up with Texan uh, on their home court, uh, of course, that's something that we're going to be excited about, and uh, you know that, that that's a goal of ours is is to get to that particular game and uh, play play the team that that's going to be against us on the other side. Thanks again to Coach Justin Bozarth for chatting with me. Tuscola could match up with Paxton Buckley Loda in that regional final, as Justin mentioned. That would be the third time those two teams have matched up. Tuscola won a Monticello Holiday Hoopla Championship game against the Panthers. PBL went to Tuscola and got a win as revenge. It would be really interesting to see what happened in a rubber match on Paxton's floor, third different floor those two teams would have played on this year. And you know what? Paxton and Tuscola both happen to be in our last boys basketball top 10 of the regular season. Won't have another boys top 10 until all area coverage comes out, and that, of course, will be the final one of the year. Our top 10, no teams have left it this week, but there is some reordering, kind of how it's been the last few weeks, really. Let's start out with our number 10 team, the Champaign Central Maroons. Wow! The Maroons are 14-14. and 14. They dropped two spots this week after losing to Centennial but beating Peoria. Central is at Peoria Notre Dame on Tuesday and hosts Proviso East on Friday. Our number 9 team this week up one spot, the Prairie Central Hawks. Wow! The Hawks are 24-7. and seven. They beat Rantoul and St. Thomas More last week to close out the Illini Prairie Conference schedule. They're going to face either Joliet Catholic or Beecher on Wednesday in the Class 2A Mantino Regional Semifinals. Our number eight team this week down two spots, the St. Joseph Ogden Spartans. Wow! Spartans are 21-8. and eight. They lost to Tutopolis and Bloomington Central Catholic last week, so closing the regular season on a bit of a down note. But St. Jo- Joseph Ogden's girls lost four in a row before going to the postseason and ended up winning a regional title. So obviously there's a precedent that uh, doesn't necessarily matter if you, you lose to close the regular season. Our number seven team, no change this week, the Judah Christian Tribe. Wow. Judah Christian is 23-4, and four, beat Uni High and Normal Calvary to win the East Central Illinois Conference Tournament last week. Judah Christian faces Decatur Christian, another ECIC opponent, tonight in the Class 1A Mount Pulaski Regional. 
Our number six team up three spots this week, the Centennial Chargers. Uh-oh. The Chargers are 16-13 and 13 after wins over Champaign Central and Bloomington. Two quality Big 12 Conference wins for the Chargers. Centennial faces Normal West, another league opponent, on Tuesday. Our number five team down one spot this week, the Urbana Tigers. Wow. Urbana is also 16-13, and 13, lost to Peoria Richwoods last week. Urbana tries to get back on track against Normal Community on Tuesday. Our number four team up one spot this week, the Tuscola Warriors. Wow! Warriors are 25-3 and three following victories over Nioga and Sullivan to close the regular season. Tuscola will face either Clifton Central or Gibson City Melvin Sibley on Wednesday in the Class 2A Paxton Buckley Loto Regional Semifinals. Our number three team of this week is the host of that regional, the Paxton Buckley Loto Panthers. Wow! Panthers are 25-4. and four. They beat Cisna Park last week to close the regular season. And they are going to face either Watsika or Hoopston area on Tuesday in a regional semifinal. Our number two team this week, no change for their ranking, the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs. Wow! Muhammad is 19-10 and 10 after wins over Normal West and Charleston. The Bulldogs face Mattoon on Friday. And our number one team remaining at number one this week, 30-0 going into the playoffs, the Bismarck-Henning Rossville Alvin Blue Devils. Uh-oh. Blue Devils beat Salt Fork, Milford, and Armstrong Potomac to close out the regular season last week. They're going to face a Vermilion Valley Conference opponent in the regional semifinals at St. Joe Ogden. It's either Georgetown Ridge Farm or Oakwood. And I'm going to have a story on the Bismarck Boys basketball team and all their success this year in Wednesday's News Gazette to preempt their run in the playoffs. Well, that'll do it for this week's Dick Van Dyke Appliance World Prep Basketball Confidential Radio Show. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back next week, hopefully, maybe, probably. I think so. We'll be back next week. See you guys then.